Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Excited to get ready to play Michigan, uh, play a Big Ten team at home, excellent team, two team in the country for a reason, so great, great opportunity for us, experience for us. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Honky, new to the podcasting business. I was looking at the wrong screen there. Okay. Uh, Huge opportunity this weekend, fellas, and can't wait to kick this game off against the Wolverines. Well done. Well done, Honky. Thank Um, you. I was looking at the wrong one, yep. Let's see if uh, Boomer's done this before. Boomer. Yeah, I'd just like to welcome uh, all of our loyal listeners to the uh, Family Family Podcast. Guaranteed to still somehow be more offensive than the Iowa Hawkeyes. What <laughs> <laughs> a thing. I don't know. Can we produce 76 yards of offense on the show, Rob? I think we can absolutely. And also, I'm looking forward to Saturday night in the event that Nebraska somehow pulls off a win against Michigan. I will be remaking that famous Kool-Aid video of the guy that I always post on Twitter the guy in the shower pouring Kool-Aid all over himself. I will be bringing my Kool-Aid mug. I'll be bringing some body paint, and I will remake that video if Nebraska beats Michigan. So, do you, Dave, do you have enough uh, Kool-Aid mix? Oh, I'm, I'll just stop off in Hastings on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there should be a Kool-Aid. Is there a Kool-Aid museum in Hastings? Honky? There is. Inside the Hastings Museum in the basement, they do. Oh, excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to have to stop by next time, obviously. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we're we're talking about another win. We'll, we'll get to Michigan, yes. Um, but uh, we'll continue to savor uh, a victory. Honky's on his third show of the week already. He did the, the what do you, uh, Honky's Huddle is what we now call the Sunday uh, morning show. Right? Maybe that could be it. Yeah, the, the day after Honky's Huddle, five takeaways. I don't know. One of those shows. Yeah, it or was one good. of those names. Yeah, thank you. Was, uh, we, uh, I put it on the on the big screen. Watched it with the family. Did not have my dogs barking, so it was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand <laughs> that there's some people that have issues with our bell, but um, <laughs> my dog was was fine with it. Um, and then uh, you and Mac did another great show last night. Uh, Want to promote our own shows because now we do so many of them. Well, absolutely, and we and we promoted this show on that one. Uh, yeah, that was uh, embracing the option, and it was just the idea that I. Some of the things we'll talk about tonight with the offense is that uh, we've become kind of an option team here the last couple of weeks, and this might be the calling card for this team. And and so, uh, but if you're going to do the option, you got to embrace it. You can't just dabble in it. You gotta you gotta go all in if this is what we're going to be. So hopefully, that's what we see. Hey, can yeah. can I just mention real quick? The only person watching the show, or at least commenting on the show so far, was a. Uh is a Michigan fan. So welcome friend from Ann Arbor. And thank you for uh, listening to the show tonight. That's great. Yeah. Timothy Bullock. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get got to a the global Wolverines. Reach, so. 
especially in Russia, but I don't think it's exactly the content they think it is. Go big yeah, that's true. That's right. Uh, well, not just uh, Michigan fans, but anyone, if you like this kind of comment, uh, we just want to throw it out there now. Hit the, uh, the thumbs up there. Uh, subscribe. Leave a comment below. We want to hear feedback from everyone. So uh, make it interactive, and, and we want to hear from you. So Redcasters, thanks for watching. And also, you'll notice all the new graphics here up along the top. We've got the Alumni Hall up there, Herd at Sports, and then Smack and Smooch, uh, the makers of all of our good Redcast gear. And you can see the QR code. Click on that anytime you want as you're watching this, and you can go to the Redcast store and, and buy some of that uh, stuff and, and wear it to games. Yeah, absolutely. Per please promote <laughs> us. <laughs> We're shameless, really. I mean, hockey hasn't worn anything except the Go Big Red Redcast t-shirt in like weeks at least i would imagine it's all i own now <laughs> your entire wardrobe uh i'm waiting for the go big red cast dress swim trunks to come out um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get those for you for christmas uh all right well we'll have a good show um maybe we'll recap a little bit of what you and uh mac talked about you think you did a great job breaking down that option and we talked a little bit about the the pros and cons of becoming an option team at least for one year uh, mm -hmm. Talk about our, our great defense, number one rush defense in the country right now, and and break down the, the Wolverines a little bit, and we'll do a red cast as well, right? So, yeah. uh, good show. Honky, I did want to mention, you know, I was talking to um, a uh, an architect here uh, visiting Denver. His name is Mark Bacon. He was, works for BVH Architecture. I was just talking about Denver planning with the guy. That's what I do. And... Um, he does some work here and he mentioned that he works uh bvh worked on the the go big project and has been mm. working with populace uh, that whole sprawling complex it was pretty interesting conversation and also found out he's doing a lot of work in columbus they did like the really cool new columbus uh, community center uh which has a gonna have a children's museum there, i think so columbus on the on the up and coming you know check it out yeah and 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 most interesting i thought for you honky and boomer actually maybe but uh, they're doing some uh, renovations to the uh, the Pawnee Park football field, uh, improving the the stadium. I was like, well, that's that's you know, Honky and Scotus's old stomping ground there. You know, I'm sure it's going to be just as elaborate as the upgrade to Memorial, right? Yeah, is this like a go big, you know, light kind of project? I mean, what are they what are they doing there at, at Pawnee? I think they're mainly just making it more ADA accessible, and you know, maybe improving some some basic amenities. Um, but uh, good for Columbus. And, uh, you know, I don't want to lose the aura and the feeling, though, of <laughs> is it called Memorial Field? Yeah, really? it's Memorial called... Memorial Stadium, Pony Park Field. Yeah. 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 Mm. All right. Yeah. What, what did he say about the Go Big? I'm curious. Did he say anything about the Go Big project of any any note? Yeah. I mean, they worked on it extensively. Um, they they um, took uh, different tours to, to other other complexes and went to Las Vegas, actually, to. Uh, they visited um, a like MMA training facility um, for ideas, just like really interesting stuff um, that, you know, kind of inspired some of the stuff. They also, he talked about how they had to be really secret about a lot of this stuff because it went in this arms race of, of college football. As soon as you put something out there on social media and they understand that Nebraska is doing it now, suddenly anybody, Alabama is the United States of the world is like, oh, well, that looks a little bit better than ours. We better already start upgrading right so they, mm -hmm. they kept a lot of things close to the vest um and still are i think um to kind of keep that competitive edge as long as possible because when you invest in a a, a billing of millions and millions of dollars like that you want to take advantage of that competitive edge that, that was really interesting mm -hmm. well you know i think that might actually lead us into tweets of the week dave 
uh, in yeah. the very first one. And the first one here, this came about a, a week or so back. It was a college football report. And I don't know if you guys saw this. It was the top 50 donors, uh, accord, according to this one uh, report here. And it was since 2005. And I know it's very small text here, but Nebraska's number 42 on it. Uh, way down, you know, on this list here with like 236 million. This is how much it's apparently that it's brought in compared to all these other schools. And so there became this narrative, especially on social media, it started to spread right away that, oh my gosh, you know, Nebraska, you know, how we were that far down. We're, we're down by like the Oregon states and so on. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, none of this makes sense. This does not even add up between the Go Big project. And if you're going back to 2005, uh, the, the North Stadium Project, the East Stadium Project from 2013. All those would have been done during this time. The Devaney Center uh, uh, renovations to turn it into the volleyball, plus the additions of the basketball practice facility and the gymnastics one and, and the new soccer and tennis facility that was built. All that's happened during this time at zero debt. You know, they have brought on zero debt, the athletic department, to do that. And I'm like, how in the world is Nebraska listed at 42 and uh, it, one of the reasons is because a team that you won't see anywhere on this top 50 is Notre Dame. You won't see Duke. You won't see private schools on it. And it's because when you see stats like this, Redcasters, understand that the University Foundation is a private institution. And that's where a lot of the money that gets donated goes to the University donate, uh, Foundation. That's how the money gets you know, moved around. So there's a, all those projects alone would have added up to more than the 230 whatever million that was on this list, let alone the fact that we sell out every single game and all those tickets that are sold out come with mandatory donations that come on with them. I mean, it is I, I don't even know what the number is that Nebraska has donated the fan support, but I can promise you it is not number 42 out of 50. And so I just thought I'd want to highlight this here. Uh, Boomer, you're kind of our, our you know, uh, our local accountant, <laughs> you know, numbers guy. When you see a stat like that, did, did you start to question it? I don't know if you saw this one when it when it came out. Yeah, I saw it when it came out, and I, it did kind of raise some of the same questions. And I, I wondered how much of it is just a difference between you know particular bookkeeping or donations to a you know a foundation versus the athletic department or the school directly, and, and that probably accounts for quite a bit of it, I would think. Uh, mm -hmm. Without diving too deep into the numbers, that would that would make the most sense because you know no offense to friends of like you know Kansas State or Indiana. I can't imagine, you know, they've got boosters, you know, poning up more than Nebraska does. Just, just look at just a few schools on that list. That would just be my gut feeling, but. You know, Boomer, it, it kind of makes me question, obviously the entire list, obviously we think ours is off. <laughs> and I would think that many of these schools also have foundations or similar organizations that would be operating in a similar way where money isn't going to be reported in the same manner. Right. You would think so. So yeah, I'd, I'd be curious. I'll have to, you know, maybe in, in the off week here, we'll, I'll dive more into the actual study itself and see how they break it down. And is it that night commission, I think in USA today, they worked on this together. If I remember right. So well, yeah. that won't be biased because Oregon number one in the top. Well, that, that helps a bit. You know, yeah. So. And Oklahoma state, uh, T Boone Pickens, you know, throwing oil money around or whatever the heck he owns. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. But you know, it, it does go back to the, the things that are unique about Nebraska. Obviously again, all those projects that have been built with zero debt, they've been paid off. They, they haven't done, taken any taxes from the state to do it. They don't take student fees for it. The athletic department's been self-sufficient and it really only a handful of athletic departments out there. In fact, Dave, we were talking about this with some of the conference realignment, what Maryland had to do about 10 years ago. They were so far in the, the red right. 10 years ago. And then now what UCLA and 
some of those West schools are. I mean, that's driven some of the conference realignment as these schools are are so far in debt. Nebraska's never been in that situation. And it's because of the donors and and the tickets being sold and, and being in the Big Ten and making money from the TV and all that. But Nebraska's in a, a very uh, favorable financial situation, thankfully. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it feels like this is kind of like fake news. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> well, then let's let's move oh, on to no. the next one here. Let's move on to the next one. Boomer, you wanted to bring this one up, and I think this is a good one. Mike Schaefer posted this during the game last week. And he goes, just one man's opinion, but the Nebraska game day experience could use some help. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting, especially to hear it from, you know, someone like Mike Schaefer. Um, now, granted, winning on a more regular basis would help any game day experience. I mean, yep. that's, that goes without saying, I think, when it comes to this. But, yeah, you know, when I read that, and then I kind of started thinking about, you know, just the actual game day experience in the stadium and kind of kind of how it's been trending you know, for years there. You know, I, I wonder if he did kind of have a point to it. I mean, I haven't gone to a game yet this season. I mean, I know hockey you have, Rob, Dave, have you gone? Yeah, you have you been I'll to be there this weekend? Yeah. No, no, I'll get back there. to you on this next week. Yeah, I was kind of curious your guys' thoughts on that, if it has been. I mean, you know, because we have seen a lot of the same same songs, same acts. And a part of it is also, I think, just the nature of TV timeouts is completely disrupting any feel of flow or anything in a stadium. So you have all these random slots you got to fill time with. So we're giving out some lifetime achievement award to somebody or another that we've never heard of, you know, those sorts of things that they're just kind of filling space with. I'd, Hockey, I know you're season ticket holder currently. What are your thoughts on that? What have you thought of game day experience comparing it to like even say Minnesota and Colorado this year? Granted, Colorado is going to be a different kind of beast with uh, Dion this year, but yeah, other places you visited recently. I, I don't know. Like, let's use Colorado, you know, where there's crazy excitement there going on right now. I don't know that the game day experience of of what they did, what the athletic department did, is anything more special than what our athletic department tries to do on their own. I mean, there's only so much. That you can manufacture at some point you got to win games you got to the team itself the program has to create some excitement um i do think it's interesting that we call it game day because there's a difference in memorial stadium right now between game day and night day or game night experiences the night experience where you get the third quarter uh drone show and everything that happened against northern illinois that's a different experience than the daytime one where none of that that goes on so that's something where you know they can do some things to try to manufacture um some excitement but just in general, uh, I, I do get I understand the part about I think that we could use some new traditions if possible or or I, I kind of brought it up where I love the history of Nebraska football. I absolutely do. But we're getting to a point where it's like we're bringing out the this team for their 20th anniversary. And in my mind, I can go, I remember when we brought them out for their 15th year and when we brought them out for their 10th year. And, and there are these kind of groundhog day moments I feel sometimes where it's like, Oh, we're kind of doing the same thing over and over. And I, I don't know how you, you go away from that. I I'd like to see us have more success so that maybe we have some more new things to show, you know, a, a, a more impressive uh, this week in the pros, you know, segment, uh, you know, things like that. I mean, that's the stuff that uh, when I went down to Oklahoma, they did a lot of the same things we did and do because they're a very similar program historically as we are. But then they also go, Oh, and here's the thing we're going to bring out the three guys that just, you know, scored touchdowns last weekend from, you know, from the NFL or whatever, they would bring out something very relevant and new. So it's that that's the, where we're at by just not having some of the recency success. Yeah. Do you think uh, like comment or John here comments that we try need to try to get the student body more included in a game day, you know, experience and atmosphere. Cause I mean, you think of Wisconsin, you know, the whole jump around thing and, 
kind of how that always you know, Wisconsin boomer. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. just bringing it up as another example in the Big Ten, uh, you know, that would be a classic one. I mean, I think they're trying to do that with the hockey's point with the, the fourth quarter transition, et cetera, right? It just, I mean, I, I don't know what other other fan bases are well known for just involving their student body as well as Wisconsin, that one example, I guess. But I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I guess I get what he's saying, but I also don't get it. If someone else, uh, Josh, somebody was like, I don't get what he's talking about. I mean, like, I, I don't know what your expectations are, right? Yeah. I mean, you can do better video segments at Hockey's Point. If we had more success in the field, we could be bringing out uh, more, you know, hey, this team five years ago actually did something post going mm-hmm. four and eight. Um, I just don't know what you expect, right? I guess, you know, I mean, I just that Minnesota and and Colorado, and I didn't think either one of those did anything exceptional from their yeah. audiovisual or, um, you know, interaction with the fan base that was like wow why don't we do that it was pretty much like yeah it's about the same right so i guess unless i'm missing something i i don't know what else we should be doing i mean i think you could just generally uh, i've never really had a bad experience going to those games it's i mean it's a football game i'm there to watch football sit in the stands the people around me are always super friendly and and it's enjoyable to be there. I, the least enjoyable part of me going to those games so far is that I haven't seen them win one at home. So, you know, and yeah. this weekend that that's going to change. So that's, that, that's <laughs> exciting. You sure know how to pick well, them, Rob. Well, and that's the thing right there is that d- depending on what the situation is, like someone just mentioned Penn state. I saw in one of the, the quotes there, Penn state is very different at night with a, a whiteout. I mean, that was an amazing scene last week against Iowa, but I've seen a lot of, Penn State games on TV, and I've been to a Penn State game. Granted, yeah. it was Sandusky week, so you know there was other weird things going on. But <laughs> but uh, but I but I've seen Penn State where it's not that environment as well. I mean, night games versus day games. Dave, the year that you and Penn I went State to the horseshoe, when we yeah. went to Ohio State in 2016, Dave, and it was a top 10 Nebraska team against Ohio State, and mm-hmm. it's in the horseshoe. We got to see the great. We got to see the full experience of Ohio State. The week before that, they played Northwestern at home, and I remember watching that game. And that wasn't the same stadium. So from place to place, from day to night, it changes. And Nebraska, the last time we played Michigan at home, that night game, that place was crazy. And that was thunderstruck the second time that they did it, one week after the night game against Northwestern. And the environment was crazy. So it really does – there's a lot of things that that, that play into it. But I get what, what Schaefer's saying here, too. I do get it. There's times where, especially against – Northern Illinois and La Tech, just the opponent didn't quite bring it out. But I think it's a good segue to what's going to be happening this weekend. Michigan, if that doesn't get the, the blood boiling in the fan base, that that we have the number two team in the country of a fellow blue blood, all that. I mean, this place should be rocking, whether this game was an 11, 2.30 or nighttime game. Sure. So, Honky, that's a good question. I know it's only only Tuesday, but I, I, mm-hmm. I listened to a lot of the local radio um, via podcast, and I heard more than one uh sports journalists mentioned how they felt like there wasn't a lot of juice behind this game that no one's really that excited about it everybody's <laughs> kind of reserved to the, the the you know lost 31 to 7 or whatever right um i mean do you i mean i don't know do you feel like the campus has got a little buzz going to it people are excited about the game this weekend or is it a little subdued uh i don't know that i feel anything different right now from from past it, you'll start to see it more on thursday and friday as you start to see wolverine fans come into town and everything and yeah. it's, i guess Fox noon isn't setting up here, right? They're going to be in Boulder again. Is that right? Yes. So 
Somebody um, lost the key to the U-Haul. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no kidding. Um, but you know, I, I just think that in general, as we get closer, it will get crazy. But the at the end of the day, what the fan base feels like to me right now is they're really putting the onus on the team. You've got to you got to show up. You got to do something. And yeah. and I get. It. I hope the crowd is nuts from the beginning. I really do. But I think of Oklahoma game last year, and we had Brett Sianza come down. We we did a tour with Brett Sianza the week bef- the day before, um, and he even talked about the environment at Lincoln was amazing for the 15 minutes prior to the game and the kickoff and the, and the, uh, and the tunnel walk and the first quarter, we scored a touchdown early on Oklahoma and the place was rocking. And he, I mean, this, he said, this is as good as he's any place he's ever been in. And that was for an 11 a.m. kickoff. And then they scored like 85 points in a row or whatever, you know, whatever stupid <laughs> number yeah. it was. And yeah. people are leaving by halftime as, and I, I don't even blame them. It just turned on them so quick. So I think people are, are cautious right now. They want to see this team, you know, do something right away against uh, uh, Michigan. But what I, what I'll say is support the heck out of this team. And when they, if we have some early success, man, I hope this, this crowd, if they are subdued, I hope they turn in a hurry. Cause I mean, we're, we need this crowd to be loud and disruptive. Uh, Michigan has not left Ann Arbor this season yet. Michigan has yeah, not played right. a, a major opponent of any kind. And I know Michigan, I respect the heck out of Michigan. This is not me knocking Michigan in any way. But Michigan hasn't played in a big game environment yet this season. We've played on a Thursday night on Fox, and we played in in Colorado at at one uh, noon. You know the big Fox noon game. We played two national <laughs> TV games. So there we uh, go. Rutgers on line two for you. <laughs> uh, so I'm um, big yeah, game so. wise. Uh, someone commented. You can bring that back up uh, about the Bussin uh, Bowl. This is. Yep. Uh, They'll be, be there. Um, yeah, so the, the boys will be there. Barstool gang apparently there. So that'll be fun. That'll definitely get that Michigan thing going on there, you know. So you got do have a huge fan base with a lot of um, kind of well-known alumni and whatnot. So uh, that should be should be add to the to the spice there a little bit. And here's John Fields uh, making a very appropriate uh, comment to his last name. He goes, well, if we win it, the fan base will start believing might even storm the field. And that's <laughs> that's been a big uh, social media thing for the last couple of weeks is, you know, should you storm the field or should you not? And I'm, you know, I, I was jokingly responding to one, one younger person on social media where I'm like, you know, the, the old guy in me, the 1990s guy says, don't storm the field. But the, for anyone that's younger than 25, I'm like, you can storm it anytime you want. You can storm it between quarters. <laughs> if we're ahead of the team, you know I mean? You, you earned it. You deserve it. If you're a young kid and, and even the nineties guy in me, look, we stormed the field back in the days too. So, uh, I, I would love nothing more than that to see uh, Memorial Stadium rocking like that. Uh, the last one here is uh, baseball. And I just want to touch on this briefly. Uh, there's two tweets. One of them was that we had the number one uh, class, uh, JUCO ranking class uh, for recruiting coming in for next year. So that's good. And they did announce the schedule. And early on, I mean, we have a right away, right off out of the, the gates, we played Baylor and Texas Tech and Oklahoma and uh, overall, it's a you have a better schedule in conference. So uh, you know, baseball. I know it's a little ways away, but just wanted to bring it up there, get it on the radar, and uh, that uh, you know, this is a big season for Bolton, the guys. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, with Childress as an official member of staff, um, it, I, I think it's interesting. It's the number one made it to campus JUCO class ranking, which is very <laughs> specific but important. That's. <laughs> That's right. I guess I missed that part. 
Uh, that is a key part get... of it, though. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. If it was the number one didn't make it to campus Juco class ranking, that'd be not good. But at least I mean, I was the number one did. never made it to campus college class. I was, I was <laughs> off doing something else instead of going to college. Uh, but yeah. hockey, to your point, the schedule is is on paper at least better. Now, last year, um, you know, we lost to San Diego, who we thought would be a attorney team, and and that really put us on the wrong foot. And we suffered with RPI uh, numbers all year long. But it does appear that this should have uh, a schedule that has some more depth to it, uh, not just at the beginning of, of the season with uh, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma for the opening weekend, but some of our midweek matchups, uh, we've got Wichita state in there, uh, got rid of Northern Colorado. Uh, so, um, and, and better big 10 opponents. We get, uh, I think at least three of the big 10 teams that made the, the tournament last year. Um, I'm saying Maryland. Well, what yeah. do you mean you got rid of Northern Colorado? Come on now. Jeez, <laughs> I'm just Dave. telling you the truth, Rob, is that although I appreciate that they're, have a baseball program they usually rank in the 300s and even if we beat them we get drugged down in the rpi i i don't disagree it was only because their head coach wasn't he a former he's a former player anderson yeah. anderson now coaches there again actually yeah um, mm-hmm. so that connection's been there for a long time well there's your right. your tweets of the week cool should we talk offense yeah let's go all right let's talk all things nebraska offense with the uh, scoring explosion and uh honky i mean you broke down some great film there with with um mac talking about the the option i know that uh there's i think it's it's an interesting take here you know how much option are we playing how dedicated do we have to be to that is that Mm -hmm. more just because of a harburg thing or do you think if sims comes back he also would be in that situation we are learning today that they moved josh fleeks um, to the running back room for a little more depth there. Um, yeah, what, what kind of you expect on Saturday? Yeah, I, I hope. I guess my expectation would be that we see a heavy dose of option. And I think that it's it's not just something that Harburg does particularly well. I think the team does well with it. The offensive line blocks well. We're a better run-blocking team than we are a pass-blocking team. Uh, when we pass the ball, we pass it better out of play action and the better that we can run, the more of the options that we can do, I think it, it makes the defense have to see more things, and we can we can get a guy downfield behind him if you're doing some play action, doing some things that are drawing them up. Um, we have a tweet of the week here for offense, and it was from Michael Severe, and he goes, the Huskers lined up in the I formation 14 times in the second half, 12 rushes for 110 yards, one incomplete pass to 31 and a fumbled snap, 11 of the runs were by Grant for 102 yards. Could had could have had 30, 63 more if not for the downfield holding call. Other run was option keeper for eight. Uh, so that's referencing in the second half there. We came out when it was 7-7 at halftime, came out. We got under center. If it felt like we were under center, we were quite a bit. Um, we did a lot of option there in the second half. Controlled clock. You know, I think we scored 21 unanswered points. It was 28 to 7 by the time that rain delay came and we'd taken care of that, the, the ball pretty well. We had over 300 yards rushing in that game. And there was once one point where there's about nine minutes left or 10 minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter. And I looked up the stats and we had like 325 rushing yards and we'd given up 34 rushing yards. Like yep. that's, that's a formula for success. Just period. 
I don't know how we'll find out how that translates to Michigan, but that's a formula for success over the course of the remainder of the season. If we can run the ball and we can stop the run. Yeah. That first drive in particular in the third quarter at seven, seven, we come out and establish, uh, you know, a long drive there that results in a touchdown all on the ground. Uh, Severe's tweet there. He references Anthony Grant and got most of those carries in that, that drive. And not a lot of app, uh, option. Did I read that correctly? Yeah, they yeah. did some. Uh, I think they were doing some, just some handoffs up the gut. There was, they were even doing some inside, uh, some pitches, some forty-one pitches that uh, they yeah. said today that uh, Ron really Brown, Ron Brown helped play a role of kind of getting them to to incorporate some of that into the offense. So it looked, look, it looked old school. I mean, we would get in the I formations. We had tight ends out there, fullbacks obviously on the field. Uh, there was pitches. There was uh, a lot of counter plays. Uh, it, it's a, a physical style of approach. And the main thing, and, and I know Severe hit on it here too, the downfield blocking. This There's something special going on right now with our receivers, tight ends uh, in the run game, but even on some of the catches. When Fedoni catches that, that touchdown pass and he turns up field, there's two guys downfield blocking 30 yards for him. I mean, you're seeing it yeah. all across the, the area. What and I know we had some holes. I know we had a couple holding calls on it, but my goodness, I, I don't want to do anything to dissuade that kind of aggressiveness. Those guys, I, that's that's going to be a problem for teams to have to to defend. Yeah, let's let's talk about, uh, and I can throw this to Rob or, or Boomer because I know Honky's already said his piece. But yeah. with with the option and this idea of that Harbor actually he he didn't really pitch the ball, but Honky has made the case in previous shows that he felt like he was just making the right decision. Um, that maybe only one or two times he could have probably better been off pitching the ball to Grant or whoever was trailing him. Um, Boomer, you've seen a lot of option football. I mean, do you agree with that uh, assessment, or do you feel like he's still tentative to actually pitch the ball? I, I tend to would say he made the right reads in those cases. I mean, you know, it's called option ball. It doesn't It's not a command to pitch. You just have that option, too. <laughs> and, you know, the big thing is making that read and making it right. Uh, you know, and some of that, I suppose, might just come down to what, you know, Harburg's strengths are, are, you know, running that, keeping it, making that right read. Uh, like, this is a good question for Rocky here. I, I don't know the answer to it myself from Spurs fans. Have any of the running backs on the team run the option before? Were any of these guys from I mean, a program school, of any sort? I would think really Pewey and I would think Pewey in high school, most of these guys, I mean, that's almost like the first offense that a lot of these kids, I mean, with, with my son now, he's playing, he's a sophomore in high school. He's playing football this year and he played some flag but he played a little bit of other football and and before that and i mean the options seem like the number one offense that they teach you when you're when you're first learning football itself right like well, I mean, because it's so easy right I'm yeah not. exactly but <laughs> you know somebody asked if i was sleeping no i'm not sleeping i'm just listening yeah. tonight and, and well it. even but i i just didn't feel like I just didn't feel like anything was like there was a couple times I felt like, oh, he could have pitched it there, but then he runs for seven, eight yards and gets the first down or whatever. Yeah. And so like if if well, he me... wasn't getting yards, if he wasn't running 70 whatever yards for touchdown, if he wasn't, you know, if he was like fumbling the ball a bunch or something like that, I might question it. But at this point, like it feels like he knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. You so. Know, and, well, let me ask this question then to Honky. Um, now that this is on tape, uh, kind of two weeks almost, of starting to build mm. up a little bit. Michigan has got a pretty smart coaching staff and and players that can get coached up in a week. Um, do you think that they are going to be very intentional in trying to 
focus on Harburg and forcing him to pitch if we're going to run a similar offense this week? Sure. Yeah, I think uh, that's something Mac and I talked about a lot last night was, yeah. you know, if I'm Michigan, I'm going to force that. that. It has not been forced on him uh, by Northern Illinois or La Tech. Yeah, he would cut up and there was a guy that he optioned and the guy that he was optioning would go out on the pitch guy. And so he'd cut up and make it clean through the hole. I don't think Michigan's going to give him that. I think Michigan's going to, you know, make sure there's a guy on him and a guy that to hit him. But if he can make that pitch, that's the thing. If he can make the pitch and we have the guy can can catch the ball, I mean, that it's still a numbers game. Michigan isn't just going to magically have an extra guy, a 12th guy on the field that those other teams didn't have. So um, it's might always only have 10. Well, they're not <laughs> if you're Notre, Notre Dame. Dame if you're Notre but Dame, yeah. This is, it's still a numbers game. And if Michigan, and so somebody last night on the show said, well, what, you know, Michigan's just going to load the box. Cool. How often do you option into the box? Put all, tw- put 11 guys in the box, please. I would love that. Or 10 and if you're Notre Dame. Yeah, and 10 <laughs> if you're Notre Dame. Put them, all, put them all in the box, and we'll try to run option outside of that. And we'll try to crack block and have, you know, tight ends on the outside there. And we'll try to, you know, keep you and contain you inside and get around you. And then if you start to spread out your defense, guess what? That's when you hit them up the middle with a with a fullback dive before in the I formation or, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, at least a, a run up the gut there. I mean, you try to run to where they're not. And that's no different than any other offense. So um, I don't know. I don't know the histories of every running back that we have on the team. That, that was a good question about, you know, have they run option before? But uh, if you're going to be a good option team, you need to rep it heavily. And that's where that's what we talked about last night on the show about embracing this is that if this is what this is going to be this year. Satterfield said he's never called option offense until he met Ron Brown this year. So our, that's our offensive coordinator saying I've never done this before. Um, yeah. But but it, it is. Look, what they're running right now, they can build off of what they've already done. I've seen enough in the last two weeks just functionally of what we're doing. I don't care who the opponent was. I've seen enough to say that you can build off of this. Keep keep doing what you're doing right now. Rep the hell out of it. Now, that, that raises a question for me, Hockey. Does does that sort of suggest that you'd expect Harburg to start from here on out? Because I don't know if Sims has played option, if he's shown you know the proclivity or ability to do that. I mean, are you pretty well wanting to hitch your horse to Harburg as our starting QB for the rest of the year? Because like I said, if repetition is the key to the option, is that what you're expecting or what you'd like to see for the rest of the season? They both have similar skill sets, but there has to be a willingness to run it too. And so we'll see what Sims is. Sims, you know, we've kind of talked about this ad nauseum the first week or two that, um, you know, there's there's this mentality that he's a he thinks he's a pro quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Right now, this is not a pro passing team. Period. This is a uh, our offensive line is built to do what they've been doing on the uh, in this uh, getting under center in the I formation and and the option. We've seen we broke down some plays last night watching Corcoran in the run game versus the pass game, versus at least the drop back game. And you know you got to build what your your strengths are. And right now, do I think that Jeff Sims, even without watching him run a lot of option, he ran a little bit. He ran an option out of the I formation against uh, Minnesota. He kept it. He ran an option, I think, out of shotgun against uh, Colorado. Ran it to the right and he pitched it to uh, to Ramirez. So we've seen just a little bit of it. But he definitely has the skill set to do it. He can run. We saw that against Colorado on the fifty some yard run that he had. So I know he has the skills to do it. It's just the willingness you are you willing to, to take the hits and 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 go out there and run that style it's not a drop back passing scheme i don't know if it's going to get you to the pros but 
right now what this team seems to do best and we can get some big plays off it is running this style. So I'm enjoying it. I hope I hope it doesn't go away this season. This is what I want to see us do right now. Do you, do you think it will go away in in uh, the next season, though? I mean, you feel like this yeah. is kind of a temporary fix? I, I do. I mean, to the extent of like, let's say, let's be extremely uh, optimistic here that I think that the option is that it's from the tree of life. I love that, Dion. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, dang, I just lost my thought. No, I think he, let's let's be extremely optimistic and say Harburg is our quarterback for the next three years. He just takes the reins and he starts the next 30 games. I even think that by next year or two years from now, even if Harburg's still a quarterback, that we would uh, over time transition to the style that I think that we all thought we'd probably be running with Satterfield and, and rule, which is there's going to be more drop back stuff. There's going to be more pro style stuff with it, uh, with a heavy dose of run, but, but not as much of the quarterback run, not as much option. Um, but uh, this season, I, I think this is our calling card for the next eight games. Yeah. It's our best best potential way to get to six wins, right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. going to have to find offense. In reality, Big Ten West uh, doesn't look that good. Um, and and we've got uh, teams like Michigan State that potentially should should be more likely a win than that they were at the beginning of the season. So uh, you got to piece something together here. And if you can get an extra 15 practices because you ran some option this year and went six and six, yep. um, probably going to be worth it, right? Yep. And if we beat Michigan this weekend, then, you know, all the, the Robs out there can start to say, hey, we're going 10 and two. And they'll have they'll have something, some validity behind that statement. So I will say for, for Michigan, this this does at least give them something else to have to prepare for. Option teams, traditionally, you've always heard this with the service academies when someone goes and plays Army, Navy, whatever. Sure. Pain to prepare for. This is going to be a pain to prepare for. Um we just have to do it. We have to do it well. We've got to be sharp. I mean, Michigan is going to be a, a bear of a team to play, but uh, but also, I'll be the first to say beatable. And they're coming into Lincoln, Nebraska, and this is their first time leaving Ann Arbor, and this is going to be a big game environment. And it's not that it's too big for Michigan. Don't get me wrong; there, it's not too big for them, but it's going to be a big game environment. And I, I think Nebraska is prepared to play in that. So I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped for this. This is not a the Nebraska fans. If you're fearful, we asked a Twitter what question. Time is, it's 38 minutes. My <laughs> wife, Katie, asked before I got on. I was like, how long will it take into the show for, before a hockey predicts a Nebraska win? I'm like, oh, yeah, 38 minutes. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't predict wins or losses. I just, it would not, it would not surprise me if, uh, if Nebraska uh, takes this very, very, well, very deep into the game. I'll, let's, I'll put that let's uh, try to wrap this up, but sure. I, I th- let's, let's go off of that though. Okay. Before we go to defense. I'll start with Boomer, then Rob, and then Hockey. If there was one thing that, that we did that led to us actually pulling this upset or or taking this right down to the last couple minutes on offense, what's the key on offense to make this a game? Boomer. Well, I think one thing that would help would be uh, just a little bit of a faster start than we've had mm. in the last few games. I mean, that has kind of been one of the things that's been, you know, problematic, at, at least on offense. You know, we didn't score a whole lot against, you know, Colorado early on. We, you know, what was the Latte game? 7-7 seven, seven or, or thereabouts yep, at right. halftime. Uh, it was Northern Illinois at halftime. It wasn't, you know, huge either. But, you know, no, let, let's be up three. early so, you know, you don't, you know, you're not having to worry about, 
you know, that second half quite as much, you know, maybe Michigan's sure. chasing you. So you're forcing them into a slightly more uncomfortable situation where they can't just, you know, run the ball or do whatever it is they want to do. You know, okay. that would be a great start. I think starting a little faster, you know, Fast getting some points. So taking a little bit of pressure off your defense from having to constantly perform, you know, Boomer's at a super high level. So. Fast start. Okay. Rob, what, what's your key? Control the clock. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think if they have the ball for 35 plus minutes of this game, they win. It'll okay. Be, it'll be close. It'll be like a, it'll be like 24 17 or 20 to 27. So we have the ball for more than 35 minutes of a yeah. 60 minute play clock. We'll okay. win this game. All right. Yeah. And I think we can expound on that a little bit on the defensive side because it we goes can. both ways. Right. Yeah. Anki, mm-hmm. um, besides obviously breaking off 400 yards of options, um, <laughs> what would you do? Uh, well, besides the obvious uh, one of, of uh, turnovers, I mean, the first two games, we have eight turnovers, we go 0-2. The next two games, we have one turnover, we go 2-0. and Irregardless of opponent, don't turn the ball over. But aside from that, take points when you can get them. The last time that Michigan came to Nebraska, they had not been down the entire season, the night game of 2021. Nebraska goes right down the field in their first drive. We have a great opportunity to at least kick a field goal and go up 3 nothing be the first lead on the Wolverines all season and we go for it on fourth and three, you know, fourth and goal at the three yard line. Don't get it. Zero points. Take points when you can get them, make points, make your 30 yard field goals. Like we, we -hmm. didn't last week. Um, And and so that would be a concern of mine, by the way, that we missed that, (laughs) but, um, but take the points when you can take them and uh, just play normal football here. You know I mean? We don't have to do anything superhuman here. Don't make the big mistakes. And, and try to win some field position and and take your losses when you take them. If it's third and 15, it might just be time to run a draw and, and punt the ball and let your defense get out there and try to get the ball back. Yep, yeah. I think uh, Rutgers is back on line two is that they did take the lead against Michigan last week. So Yeah, they got it right away. They did They did a good job. Third, third play of the game, I think, or fourth play of the game, they, yeah. they broke up yeah. one big pass. They forced a punt and it looked like they were really going to do something and then they, yeah. Rutgers was back. (laughs) That's right. All right, guys, let's turn our attention to the defense and break down all things uh, uh, black shirts with throwing the bones. And um, let's kind of, uh, you know, I mean, take a look at this game from that perspective and think about what we're going to do against this Michigan offense, which is a little bit, I don't know, I mean, lackluster might be the right term. It's not like they're not good. Uh, Blake Corm is still a great running back. I think uh, uh, McCarthy can make a lot of throws, uh, but they haven't been putting up a lot of points. Um, they are very consistent in these games. I don't know the exact run, but it's like 31 to 6, 31 to 7, 30 to 3. Uh, yeah. It's like the same game every single It is. Single week. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the yardage isn't as, as impressive as last year. They were we're throwing up big numbers in against non-con 62 points, 56, that type of stuff. So a little bit different, but that doesn't mean this team isn't going to continue to get better and continue to kind of impose their will on anybody who, who gets in their way. But I think one of the most interesting stats I've seen um, kind of previewing this game is, is their drive charts. And last week against Rutgers, they only had seven drives the entire game. So to Rob's point about us controlling the ball, uh, Michigan actually has had long sustained drives and it just just take the wind out of the entire game from both sides by just these long, 
And they like, I think they scored on five of the seven drives or something like that for, you know, four touchdowns and a field goal. And I mean, Rutgers after a little bit of a hot start, never really could get going again. Um, I think they averaged somewhere around 10 drives a game. I was looking at it. The, the one game that I think they had 12 or 13 drives with Bowling Green is that's because McCarthy threw three INTs against that Mac team, right? So I, I'd be curious to know if anybody here thinks we can get um, uh, a turnover or two versus this Michigan offense. But I think that's going to be a key is how many how many drives do they end up empty with? Right? Well, something I noticed too, watching that Michigan game was the number of open field tackles that Rutgers was were missing right and so there was a, quite a few like third downs I think they even had like quite a few third and longs third and nines that were getting converted on those long drives because Michigan or I mean because Rutgers was just missing open field tackles and if we know anything about this Nebraska team this year at least so far it's that they've been much better at tackling right and getting those open field tackles and getting to the ball and, and grouping around the ball you know i mean louisiana tech had a couple of wide receivers that are next level guys and you know we did a pretty good job i would say containing them and you know keeping a keeping a lid on 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 the game for them so i think that one of the things that our defense will do better than what Rutgers did to help help kill some of those drives is tackling on those third and longs and keeping the ball underneath. So, you yeah. know, just some opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a, a defensive tweet of the week we did was uh, we said the, this is from the, the go big red cast that there was in use rush defense through four games, Minnesota had 55 yards, CU had 58, Northern Illinois had 26, LaTeX had 46, which basically matched our average of 46.25 yards a game. So you're starting to see a trend opponents be damned it's through four games we did that now speaking of one of those opponents husker game day posted that minnesota gophers their total rushing yards per game they had 55 against nebraska and then their next three eastern michigan they ran for 296 against unc they ran for 170 and then at northwestern they ran for 244 so you take that and and at least can take from that that, that minnesota is trying to run the ball they almost hit 300 against eastern michigan they hit over 202 of the the next three games and the 55 that we held them to, I think, stands up pretty nicely. So, I don't. again, this is going to be a great litmus test for Nebraska this week against Michigan. How do we do against them? Um, but I would also say anytime you're looking at stats this early in the season, especially looking at Michigan, you got to look at their opponents too. And and uh, they, haven't played, they haven't played any world beaters yet either. Um, they are number one scoring defense in the country, 5.8 points a game they've given up. And to Dave's point, they scored, you know, a, a fairly – pedestrian 31.8 which is 53rd in the country uh, against the teams that they've played for being number two in the country I, I i call it pedestrian there um but yeah it's 31.8 to, to 5.8 is what their their games have been so i'll go back to the the keys of the the game here on the on the defensive side uh, if there's one thing that we're going to do that's going to make this a, a close a game at the end or a pull off an upset, what is it going to, what is it going to take for us to do that? Boomer. Uh, boy, you know, you'd like to see the, uh, obviously the run defense continue to hold up like that. Um, you know, anytime you can hold up on 50 some yards or so a game, that's going to make it pretty one dimensional. It's going to be a big help. Uh, but I think, it, you know, this would be a great time to have that, to win that turnover battle in a game, you know, whatever it takes, you know, just, Sure. Just be on the positive side on turnovers. Because like you said, Dave, if Michigan's going to go in long, sustained drives, 
you know, you might need the ball more and just don't let them have very many long sustained drives if that's what it's going to be. That'll keep mm-hmm. that scoring down, you know, keep your defense off the field, you know, get it back to that offense, keep the fans into it. I think that's what you need to do. Just just win the turnover battle this week. I think it'd be yeah, be opportunistic and then yep. play complimentary football, right? Exactly. I, mean, I think yep. that that makes a difference. I'll throw one out um, before I throw Donkey or Robbie's. I don't want him to take it. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, is uh, getting pressure on the quarterback, right? We did not get a sack last week versus Law Tech, I believe. Now that's kind of because of how their offense is, is structured. They do a lot of quick passes. But again, I mean, Michigan's capable of doing that. If they feel like, you know, they're putting McCarthy in, in harm's way back there by having these long developing plays. They might might take a cue out of the La Tech playbook and, and do a lot of quick stuff. And I think we need to be able to get home at least a little bit against that uh, quarterback to mm-hmm. make this interesting. Donkey? Um, you know, part of part of uh, not having the long drives is you got to get off the field in third and longs. We've had so many third and eights, third and nines, third and tens that – uh, teams have converted on us, so we've got to get the the third down, especially third and long defense uh, improved here, and this would be a, a great week to do it. And I'll just throw one word out there, and this has to do with the long drives you're talking about, Dave, is that I think potentially a benefit that we have right now is the depth that we seem to have created through four games on defense. If we can go out there and play 21, 22 defenders here in the first quarter like we have or in the first half over the course of that, uh, that can go a long ways to even if there is a longer drive that we can rotate guys in and out. And eventually at some point, I'd like to think that this defense is is good enough. They've shown enough that if, if it's going to take a team 10, 15 plays, you know, to get down the field and score on us at some point, something's going to happen. We're going to hold them. We're going to get that turnover or we're going to hold them on a fourth and short. Like we have a couple of times this season. Uh, so that that's what I'm hoping that this defense can do is is just enough to, to hold them to field goals if that's what it takes or maybe get that turnover or get that stop on a third down and just let's mucky it up. Let's make this an ugly game. Ugly games in the Big Ten? What are you talking? Yeah. <laughs> the elegant league of football, isn't it? That's uh, right. Rob, what's your key? I'm going to say limit the stupid penalties. Um, we have, yeah. you know, we have had some really stupid penalties with personal fouls and, and um, you know, just some really bad calls that didn't didn't uh, have to go against us because we didn't have to make those you know stupid plays. So, I think that um, you know a lot of the things like turn around, look at the ball if you're one of the cornerbacks, if the ball's in the air, don't just like throw your body at the guy and and get a pass interference. Um, you know, don't hit guys after the play is over and knock them down. I'm talking to a couple of our defensive line guys. You know, I mean, a lot of that stuff if you can clean that up and not give them yards, they're not earning, then I think that's another way to, you know, limit the length of their possessions on, on defense. I got a question for you guys. I'm just looking at Ann Arbor's forecast right now. And, you know, it's 70 tomorrow, 66 on Thursday, Friday, 74, Nebraska on Saturday during the game, it's going to be 91 degrees. I think yep, I, said. I saw that. Be, I saw that. Do you see any, is there any advantage there? Do you think that does anything for Nebraska that we, you know, we've had quite the heat spell. We're going to be and it's going to be a, a late hot game here in, in Nebraska, late September. Any, any advantage? Maybe, maybe I'm making nothing out of it. Right? I, yeah. I mean, I think Michigan practices in 90 degree heat just last month. So I, I, I don't think it's probably a big deal. It's not going to hurt. Um, but 
I don't. I I wouldn't think it it would be a big deal. I don't know. It's a it's a good question. You know, it's, instead of also uh, a four hundred foot altitude difference from Ann Arbor, we can <laughs> <such> <laughs> pay off too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, instead of fans, higher. instead of fans on their side of the field, can we put heaters and turn those on? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, those Just, are all the know, good things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love the altitude thing, Boomer. That would can we play this in Laramie? That would be wonderful. Yeah. Can we let the turf grow a little bit? You know, can we like throw down an extra layer or something like that to slow I, it down? I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, file down all of their cleats overnight, like get break into their locker room and file down all the cleats. Mm-hmm. That'd just be dirty, Rob. I don't think we can do that. Uh, all right, Honk, is there anything else you want to talk about before we start talking BetCast? Well, no, I'm I'm going to take off here, but I guess uh, we're going to introduce uh, uh, Talon, Redcast Talon. He'll be part of the the betcast here, Dave, your nephew. But, Should we uh, bring him up right I, now, uh, Honky? You know, you, why not? Here? Talon, uh, let's let's get you onto the stage. We can see all five of us here. Talon, stop picking uh, your nose. Yes, <laughs> Talon was my uh, my plus one driving out to Colorado, so I appreciate that. And uh, we watched the game out there in Boulder together. And uh, uh, Dave's nephew, he takes care of our TikTok. Uh, Welcome to the Redcast, uh, Redcast Strong. It's great to be here. <laughs> oh, come on. Bring the energy, man. I know, man. Like, <laughs> I've been here a while. We're talking about game day atmosphere and youth. And yeah, this, this is, is the problem. The kids <laughs> aren't crazy enough, man. Oh it, okay, ta- okay Talon. With the NIU, Talon. I thought I thought we were just fine with the night game. Um, the LA Tech game, it was tough because it's like, we would have these big plays that would get called back. And I think just being seven, seven at halftime, I think a lot of the student section just kind of died off. Like you just mm-hmm. saw people kind of just yeah. like you would look up and like a fourth of the student section was gone. So I think just having such kind of a slow paced game, and I know that's how we're going to play this year, but I think yeah. that's a big part, especially playing a team that I would say that Northern Illinois was a better team than Louisiana Tech. And mm-hmm. this how we played against NIU in that second half and then how we played against Louisiana Tech. I think it just kind of dialed down the hype a little bit. Sucked the air out of the stadium. Huh? There was a lot of students going in the second half of the La Tech game oh, it was before, before the, the, the rain delay. And yeah. some of that I think is just the opponent. I sure as heck hope. I mean, I don't care what the score is unless, unless it gets out of hand bad for us. If it's a 7-7 seven to seven game in the third quarter, I'm hoping that – that crowd is, you know, 100% full all the way through for Michigan here. There's no reason for, for anyone to be leaving. So, but, but uh, talent, Dave asked the question earlier, and I think this is an interesting one. Do you feel on campus right now? It's only been two days of the week, but are you feeling anything in your classes and talking to other students with, uh, you know, that the number two team is coming here? Are you starting to feel, is there any kind of feeling on campus that this is a big game this weekend? I think, with how the offense is played, I think there's a little bit of a, a skepticism that we can play with Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – I wouldn't say there's a ton of hype coming into this game and, like, the students right now just because of how we played this last game. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say people are saying it's a big game for us. I think a lot of people are expecting us to get kind of kind of hosed by this team. <laughs> and, and I don't think this way, but I think – people who've watched the last couple games and especially watched us against that Colorado team, you know, three weeks ago and watching, you know, how good that offense is and kind of p- comparing it to Michigan. I think it's kind of tough to get excited about it. I think 
people are going to show up. People are going to be loud. Um, but to sit here and say it's a big game and there's a lot of hype towards this game, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. No. Yeah. Well. Man. That is where we're at. It's, it's where some people are. I'm, 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 I'm living in a different world from that. I can promise you. Monkey is giddy right now and anticipation. I am giddy. I love. I'm loving what I'm seeing from a physical standpoint, and uh, I, I think I, I don't see any comparison right now with Colorado and Michigan. I can tell you that. No, 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 no. And I just think it's. But I see. I understand what you're. I understand what you're getting at, though. I, I, I understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. yeah so that's. Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah, young all right. <laughs> well, they, all they want is Dion as the head coach, Honky. That's where we messed yeah. up. We we sh- just should have went and got Prime. You know, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Do you want game? I don't know. I'd rather yeah. have Fickle than Prime. But, you know. <laughs> all right. Well, Honk, I think you've done your duty for the Redcast this week. That so you've you've logged about you know three hours or so. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll let you kick back and relax, and uh, you enjoy this betcast segment. All right, buddy. Absolutely. Go for it. Have a good one. The BetCast Picks of the Week. All right. Well, I don't know about Picks of the Week, but we'll at least preview some of the biggest games of the week and maybe give you uh, some insight. I know that, you know, Rob is just pouring over his, uh, his sports betting books right now trying to pick out the best games of the week. Hopefully, maybe Talon's got a few uh, in mind. I'm sure Boomer has got a crazy three-leg parlay that he wants to bring up. Rob, I'll start with you because you mentioned one um, before the show that you really like. So let's, let's start with one that you're hot about, and that is a a, a brand new Big Twelve versus Big Twelve rivalry. I with I didn't even put that together when I was looking at this either. Which Cincinnati, is the Bearcats heading out to Provo, uh, but they would have never thought of that a few years ago, um, and uh, favored against BYU by one and a half. So BYU catching a, a Point and a half, you might even be get two somewhere. Rob, why do you like BYU so much here? Um, I just think BYU. I like the way that they've been playing this year. They're at home against Cincinnati, so I mean, I, I it's kind of weird that they are the the dog here. I'm not quite sure, but um, you know, I've been kind of riding them a little bit this year already, and you know, I just I like the way you that were... they've. I've I've actually been you know betting uh, betting with BYU this year. They've kind of been a team that I've been following along with and. Um, you know, it's, uh, I just, I, I like the way, I mean, the over under on this game is 48 and a half, you know, it just seems like that's kind of a number that might be interesting too. I think both these teams are capable of putting up 25 points and, you know, I mean, so maybe the sure. over on it as well, but I mean, BYU at, at an, at the underdog of plus one and a half. And, and I, I mean, I like them not to win outright. So I think that's a really safe bet for anyone on this game. All right. You think the home, the home field advantage here provo does definitely give them an edge yeah especially with the altitude that's right (laughs) way higher than the 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 riverfront of cincinnati um i'll have to call you out here rob because the thing is that i've been trailing byu too biggest jerry was hot on him a couple weeks ago right and he, Mm -hmm. he hit that arkansas game uh so i jumped on him against kansas last week going into lawrence lawrence yeah that was a let they were getting plus 10 at one point um and uh they didn't even cover that they lost by 11 they did. um so i'm a little cold on them so i don't i don't know I, I get the home field advantage though boomer what do you think about this one i haven't watched either of these teams play a whole lot this year <laughs> so to be totally honest yeah <laughs> it's, 
Uh, I don't have a grand feeling about either of them, so it's just such a weird matchup. Just like you said, the Cincinnati only lost by what fourteen last week. Yeah, Oklahoma. yeah. Oklahoma's yeah, kind of looks like a defensive team this year. Just you know, they they don't well, seem they, to have that. Oklahoma put up some big points uh, against yeah. a few teams earlier, so right. Oklahoma to twenty. Yeah, that was pretty it's, good. It, yeah. I just don't know enough about either of these two to have a grand feeling for it. So. I wouldn't wouldn't hit this one at all, but you guys are welcome to it. So. All right. Well, Tyler, unless you're dying to talk about BYU, let's move on to I think Friday nights. I think this is Friday night's game of the week. I think it's Friday night. Utah at Oregon State. Beavers favored by three and a half. Did I see that right? Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. So um Oregon State lost to Wazoo last week. Good game though. Um, but they're at home. And uh, Utah still without Cam Rising, far as we understand, I believe. Uh, but fresh off of a really low-scoring physical game there versus UCLA, where they won 14-7, mainly off of a, a pick six right off the first first game of the first play of the game, essentially. Um, I don't know, Talon. What do you think here? I'm a really big fan of Utah's defense, and I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. a huge believer right now in uh, DJ Ungalele. I mean, I kind of yeah. watched the. The, the Oregon State Washington State game and there's a like six or seven throws where he's got wide open guys and he's overthrowing them. I mean, pretty mm-hmm. simple stuff. And mm-hmm. I just think Utah's defense is going to really dominate. Um, I, I really like their front, so I, I would I really like that one. So yeah, I, I I'm, I'm I think the wrong team is favored here. I I get Oregon State. I like Jonathan Smith as a coach. I think DJ is an upgrade probably over what they've had in the past, but. Um, he, he never was able to get the big wins at Clemson. Um, anybody else interested in this one? I am for sure. And I, I, I just like Utah. I, I like right. Utah straight up on there again, like town said with the defense there, I think, um, it's going to be something Oregon state hasn't really faced yet this year in, in that defense. And I think Utah's, I, I actually think Utah could be, could be a potential, you know, upset against a team like an Oregon or USC or Washington this year and, and possibly be represent the Pac-12 Maybe in the playoffs. In the Pac-12 again. Yeah. yeah. Especially if Cam would come back healthy. Yeah. Um, and they somehow stay undefeated until they get to that point. Yeah. Um, well, the other big uh, Pac-12, it's so weird to have all these Pac-12 rankings, right, Boomer? I mean, this is ridiculous. This is like Pac-12 after dark. I think it's now. the Pac-2 now, isn't it? Isn't it? Technically, it's Pac-2 with 10 hangers on. Right well, now. it's yeah, called the, the Big Noon Pac-12 game because that's all they are. And uh, Fox is back out here in Boulder for USC coming to Colorado. And Colorado getting 21 and a half points. Uh, <laughs> you know, USC, I was I was thought USC would throttle Arizona State last week. The line was like 34, I think I got it at. And they, they look a little... Well, just like discombobulated on offense, they don't quite look quite sleepwalking. There. I think is a good term to use. Yeah, for them. maybe that, or they, maybe they turned it on like at the sharp, end when they. You know, it's like yeah. I mean, the um, what Arizona State got within three. I think it was twenty four twenty one at one point, and yeah. I was watching the game. It was a late game, and boy, <clears> boy, <throat> boy, was I tired. And uh, I I fell asleep for a little bit. T- turned on the game again, like felt caught it right in, and it was like 42-21. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty much what I expected to happen. All I know is they did not cover Rob. I can tell no, you No, they that did not. Certain. They did not cover. And I was going to say, so this could be a game possibly with where Colorado, although USC's defense really turned it on in the second half. So Yeah, it was Arizona State, Rob. I Arizona know. State got they, – they got – like Shut said, out by they, Fresno the week before. I think, I think they were just sleepwalking. USC was just Shut. sleepwalking through that game. All right. So, so you're throwing that game out. 
They were coming off yeah. a bye week too. US. Yeah, we're, yeah. Mm. And so and Arizona State's they have they were they have their backup quarterback in. Yeah, Drew Pine was yeah. in there, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. And he he wasn't all that great at Notre Dame last year. I mean, he didn't yeah. put up anything spectacular. So and I I don't trust USC's defense. I think it's gonna be a big reason why they don't win the Pac twelve. I don't think they're better than Oregon. And so I actually really like Colorado to cover this. Um I think Colorado can put up points against that defense and kind of keep yeah. it close up until the fourth quarter. I mean, yeah. I mean that that depends on how much Shadur can stay off the ground too. He got sacked what four or five times against Oregon last week again. Like, we sacked him eight times. I mean that offensive that's, line. That's gonna know. be a serious season. I mean that's they they can't run the ball. They don't have an O line or a D D line that can you know constantly get pressure against a QB. I just think. I don't trust, you know, there's a couple big plays that Arizona State made through the air with, you know, a backup quarterback, and I don't think they have, you know, uh, the type of receivers that, you know, Colorado has. I really like Colorado's receivers. I just think Oregon came to play last week. I think yep. they made the point, uh, I mean, you you heard what Dan Lanning was saying before the game, and then they came, you know, ready to play. And, and Colorado's at home. I think that atmosphere is going to be rocking, even though they just got blown out. I, I think Dion's going to have them guys ready. I, I really do like Colorado's offense still. I don't think they're going to have too much trouble against USC. Yeah. I, I think I'm thinking on Talon's side here. Boomer, I think the over-under is at 73.5 right now. You want to go on the over on that one? I'd probably take the over on that. Yeah, USC will consistently put up 40 to 60 points, it seems, this year. And, you know, that gives you a good shot at Colorado doing something. If you think Colorado's going to score at all, then, yeah, I think it's a good good shot at the over on it. So, yeah, 21 and a half is a lot of points. I don't know. Will Colorado be that dismal, you know, as they were this last week? I mean, was there going to be any hangover from that Oregon game? I mean, just getting blitzed and run yeah. off the field? I mean, there could be. That's a possibility. I, I mean, I'm curious to see where this line moves. So much money has been being put on Colorado this year. Uh, but the sportsbooks really haven't moved those lines all that much, even in the Nebraska game. I would love to be able to wait and see money come in on Colorado and get this at 20 and a half opposed to the 21 and a half. Um, I feel like that's uh, a lot safer, but you might just have to buy that point. Um, I don't know. We'll see. All right, let's go to uh, some others around the country. Uh, rank versus rank. Uh, LSU going into Ole Miss. LSU favored by two and a half going into the Grove. Um, what do you think, guys? SEC just doesn't have a lot of sizzle this year. No, it doesn't. And I'm not sure I trust, you know, Lane Kiffin, you know, against ranked teams and you know power five type opponents i mean he just he, it doesn't seem to perform all that well against them so i think it's a good chance for lsu to go in there win that game and they ought to be able to cover you know two and a half pretty easily i think yeah get back on track yep all right anybody else on this one uh, i completely agree so i mean i right. i in our pick them in our pick em league i took lsu at the at two and a half i think lsu could win this game but i i don't know man it's yeah, you, you know, so, yeah. Let's <laughs> I, I, let's go yeah. let's go to a game that I know you're gonna have an opinion on, Rob. I know you you uh, love uh, uh, just like these deep cut games right here. This is just uh, Coastal Carolina at Georgia Southern. So this is yeah. Tim Beck offense going against uh, uh, Clay Helton. Uh, Georgia Southern favored by six and a half. Uh, I think there's way too many points um, for. Eagles to cover and like Coastal Carolina to keep this close. What do you think, Rob? I don't know. Coastal Carolina let me down last week, so 
I, I, I'm, I'm I think it's an overreaction, time. Rob. That's yeah. my point. Yeah, I, um, I, Coastal Carolina let me let me down last week. Um, Georgia Southern, I mean, gosh, we've seen them, like I said, but their offense doesn't seem as explosive as they did last year. Maybe they mm-hmm. are. I don't know. I could be wrong. So I'm going to agree Wisconsin with you. a scare for at least a half. I'll agree with you. This will be like a come down to like a field goal at the end of the game. All right. Anybody else? On the... No, no. All right. Um, I just had some inside information on that one. How about Notre Dame? This is ranked versus ranked again. Uh, Notre Dame going to Durham to play the Dukies. Uh, Notre Dame favored by five and a half. Boomer. Yeah, I think this is a great chance for Duke to actually win this game outright. I mean, Notre Dame Ooh. just completely blew that game last week against Ohio State. That's I think a, it's a letdown game. Huh? I think it's a letdown game. I mean, how do you recover from that? Where you not only you had the game in hand until it the, felt uh, like they're the better drive, team. You got that yeah. interception and you get down to the goal line, and then you you have ten guys in the field, and then your coach allegedly knew about it but didn't do anything. I mean, you know, he had, <laughs> I know he's got the excuse that, well, if you send somebody out, it's a penalty and you get two tries at it. Well, I, I'd rather have two tries with 11 guys in the field than, you know, one or two with 10. I mean, that's, you know, I have to go a couple of yards. We see how that worked out for you, Notre Dame. But, uh, no, I mean, Duke's playing decent ball. They haven't played a lot of great teams since that opening week against, you know, Clemson. But, you know, they mm-hmm. beat Clemson. They got the opportunistic turnovers, took advantage of it, won a game. And I think this is a great chance for, for Duke to really step up this year and, you know, make themselves known in the ACC as a real threat. Before Mike Elko goes somewhere else. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's finish with this one. Uh, maybe maybe um, uh, Barty could be a destination for Mike Elko as early as next year. They're looking for a head coach. Uh, Michigan State going to Iowa City. Hawks getting 12 and a half. Uh, d- Boomer, you think this is 13 to nothing? <laughs> I mean, these last two weeks, Michigan State looks like they've already thrown in the towel on the season. Yes. I mean, they got crushed by Washington, which makes sense. Washington was good. And then Maryland really kind of took it to them this last week as well, too. I mean, that Maryland game, you know, with Nebraska might be something we got to keep an eye on as a, you know, possible concern later in the season. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And yeah, we just have to see how Iowa can scrape themselves off the, you know, the little flat pancake Penn State crushed them into. And if they if they have more than a couple of plays that, you know, Brian Ferentz can break out and maybe they can throw to a receiver here and there and catch Michigan State off guard. But uh, I mean, the drive chart last week was just extraordinary, wasn't it? I, just... I, I, what did they have? I think seven punts Iowa did, and six of those were three and out drives. I mean, I, yeah. that's incredible how that and then the rest of the rest plays. That's, yeah. 33 plays. Yeah, that's just insane in modern college football. I don't even know how how yeah. that can be done, but they find a way to do it. So congrats, Iowa. So good, good yeah. luck there. But Talon, what do you think here? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Iowa's actually going to cover. I think kind of like what Boomer's saying. I think Michigan State's definitely thrown in the towel. I think they just. I think they've given up on the season. Um, I I think. This past game with Penn State Iowa, I think it's more of a of how good Penn State looked. I mean, I think Penn State's a top five team in the country, and I think they have a mm-hmm. very uh, be in Michigan, and I think they're a better team than Ohio State. So, I just think and Penn State's strength is their defense. I mean, they are fantastic. They know how to run the ball. They have a quarterback who doesn't turn it over. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, I think it's more of a testament of how good Penn State is than really truly how bad Iowa is. And I think Iowa is going to roll against Michigan State. I think that's a good point, Talon. I mean, I, I was watching this game with, with my neighbor, Iowa Sean, and, um, I mean, he was obviously frustrated, um, and he was re- 
at, when it was seven nothing, he's like, "This game's over. We're not going to score." He literally just knew it. Um, he's like, "This is not going to happen." But he's also like, "I think we might be favored in all of our other games." And I'm like, "Well, yeah. maybe not Wisconsin, but yeah, you probably are because like it's nothing going to be pretty, but you probably can score fourteen to seventeen on on most teams somehow, and um, that might win you enough games with this defense." Rob, the over under is thirty six and a half. You taking oh that? You biting? Yeah, I'll take the I'll take the over. I mean, the, taking the over. I think so. Really? Yeah, thirty six and a half. I'll take the over on it. I think Iowa. I mean, you know, they come out and they. I don't play think for, Sparty's going to score, man. They they come out and play for Brian, man. They got to get that ladder moving. So. <laughs> well, and, and what I was wondering is there a prop bet out there on the over under of number of passes that a wide receiver catches for Iowa? <laughs> Because I, I don't have that, uh, player props here. I put in, that around. Uh, I so. put that around five. If 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 it was capable, maybe. And that's <laughs> ahead of what they've done all season, really. I yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, they're averaging three and a half a game, Rob. So you're being well. Yeah, but they got called here. out this week, so he's got something to prove. <clears throat> we still have to design an offense to do it. So yeah. we'll see. I mean, I'm just, not, just play like, with. We have joke. no room to, to to mock them. They've beaten us enough times, but hey, we beat them just, last year. We're one and zero right now. Absurd. You want to know right now. That's right. That's right. All right. Any other games out there that I've missed? Anything else you guys have been looking at? How do you feel about the uh, Alabama first half total there, Dave? I have, I'm off the Alabama first half wagon right now, right? Are you right now? You know what? Yeah. They, they screwed you the last two weeks on that because almost a year. And I know that because they screwed me too because I was riding your bandwagon on that whole whole thing. I've been off the wagon since week one pretty much because I just don't trust. Milro or anyone really to, to really do much with that offense right now. Yeah, it's just it's interesting, right? It's so weird. Yeah, yeah. it's like you, all I mean, these five star recruits in Alabama looks like they're walking in mud. It's it's quarterback strange. really makes a difference. You know? really does, they have yeah. produced multiple NFL first rounders and three in a row, right? And yeah. I just don't think they got one on the roster this year. So yeah, the first half over under is twenty three and a half right now. That yeah. seems that seems high based off of what they've been doing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I know we normally don't bet Husker games, but do you think the eighteen points is too big of a spread? Uh, I mean, Michigan well, hasn't covered yet this year, I don't think. So I'm taking I'm taking the Huskers on that side of things. If I had to bet on it, if you put a gun to my head, because like I said, I think that we'll do if we can control if we can control the ball. Like I said, if we can hold on to the ball, not turn it over, and sustain our drives. There's not with the new clock rules. There's not going to be enough time on the clock for Michigan to get more than like a you know 10, 14 point lead. Yeah, I think it's seventeen and a half. I'm I'm seeing so. Yeah, I saw eighteen and a half earlier today, so it came it's down. Slipping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People I, agree with me apparently. Alan? The only game that I saw <clears throat> that I'm interested in would probably be Kansas at Texas. Ooh, I get sixteen. That's interesting. I like uh, I like um, Kansas's offense. I think Jalen Daniels is for real. He's proven it last year and coming into this year. Um, no, I think only thing that's really held him back was an injury last year. Otherwise, he's bald. Sure. Um, I'm taking that for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Boomer KU has been Texas is like you know just bug bug a bear oh, yeah. or it's a bug a boo bug a boo bug bear. Personal bug bears, which you're looking for there, Dave. You, you can say it different ways. I've heard That's this true, on the yeah. show. Was, right? I, I, t- I correct TLC, was it TLC or Destiny's Child with the bugaboo? I, I don't know. But, uh, we'll go yeah, I mean, KU's just giving Texas heck, right? I mean, all there is to it. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so I like that one, Talon. I like that. 16 and a half, you said? Yeah, that's what I saw. That's a good number, too. You want to grab that now. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Uh, anything else on the on the bedcast? No, I'm good. No. All right, guys. Let's see if we can get out of here with some parting shots. And we will start with uh, Boomer. Well, I don't have a whole lot this week. Uh, you know, the Michigan game's coming out speaks for itself. But I just want to give a shout-out. Uh, everyone knows our love for special teams, and I just wanted to uh, congratulate our number three leading rusher from the, the last game against Louisiana Tech, Timmy Bleakrood, with a really nice uh, fake punt, <laughs> or excuse me, fake uh, field goal there, which set up that first uh, right. first touchdown, which is great. I mean, you know, if we might have to do some more trickeration like that. We've done it you you also know, a had a great... this year to score touchdowns, so whatever it takes, I think, this year. Just like option ball, so keep those He had a great tweet, too, didn't he, Boomer? Where he, he did, like, yeah. Really... I wanted Honky to share that tweet with his tweets of the week this week, and he didn't share it. That was he deserved it. That was a really good he one. He did. It, it was, was good. Yep. All right, Rob. Um, I just want to give a shout out to all of our Redcast followers on Twitter who uh, responded to. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's a little bit embarrassing because uh, you know how how you know I've been out to Lincoln a bunch of times now, and I've never actually gone out the night before a game in Lincoln, but I'm making this trip. It's kind of a special trip. I'm going out with a couple of my buddies here in Greeley. And so it's not just a Redcast trip. And I, I kind of reached out to say, okay, what should I be doing on Friday night before the game? And I have so many suggestions. I will not be going to the Barstool event. Sorry, I, I'm just not going to do that. I've got better things to do in Lincoln that to experience Lincoln. I'm going to maybe we're going to try and check out Misty's if we can get a table there or even just to see one of the yep. bands. I think we're going to try to hit up at least one or two of the speakeasies and the ones that we don't hit up. We'll try and do it after the game on Saturday because it will still be in town. And just want to thank everyone for uh, the kind suggestions and the nice words. I even got offered some 311 tickets in Omaha. Unfortunately, it's breaking my heart, but and I wore my 311 shirt since 88. They are. They're playing Friday night in Omaha at in in La Vista at the new. Uh, I think it's called the Starlight Amphitheater. Um, but yeah, so I've got my since eighty eight shirt on. That's my three eleven shirt that my sister made for me. And uh, nice on the back. Yeah, it's got you the Omaha styling on. Yeah, you can't hear. I'll show. I'll turn around. That's right. This is great podcasting, <laughs> Rob. Omaha styling yes. on the back. So three eleven. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm uh, kind of bummed. But you know what? I'm already got my hotel booked in Vegas for March for 311 days. So nice. We're good. Nice. All right. Well, it's a good segue. We can welcome Talon again one more time. Talon, I think you're like, you're, you know, since 2002, when were you born? What year? 2002. There you go. All right. So I have um, a son older than you. <laughs> wow. Well, we needed to add some youth, you know, we were probably going into our, you know, silver years of podcasting. We wanted to, you know, give some, some youth here. Uh, Talon is uh, going to UNL, so we actually kind of get the campus-like experience there. And uh, hopefully you'll be doing more shows shows with us here in the future. But here's yeah. your very first uh, um, non-fan forum uh, opportunity to do a parting shot. Fire away. Perfect. Um, so I guess I, I like what you guys are talking about with uh, um, the ball control, if we can control the clock. Um, mm -hmm. I think if we can convert third downs, too would be a big thing for us against Michigan. Um, we were three for 12 last week. Um, if we can stay on the field, um, I don't necessarily like how much we've been throwing the ball the last two weeks. I think what you guys have been saying with the option, I think is perfect. Run the ball, get it to Grant, let Harburg um, do his thing. Um, I heard Joshua Fleeks is going to be turning into a running back, yep. so it's interesting to see what he can do. Um, 
but yeah, I think if we can control the control the clock and convert some third downs, I think we'll be in this game up until third or fourth quarter and, and see what we can do on defense getting JJ. So I like yeah. it. I hey, like and uh, keep your uh, phone turned on this on Friday too, Talon, and I'll I'll hit you up and buy you a drink in town when you when, when we get in. So yeah, I'm run, Talon, run, run the fast. I'm I'm staying in I'm staying in Lincoln, and you know I owe you a drink. I didn't really hang out after the Colorado game for very long, and so I'd, I'd love to I'd love to buy you a drink, just hang out and and you know talk, and we maybe can make a couple TikToks or whatever. Plus, yeah. I've got a game plan for after we win, so I'm gonna need you. Perfect, I love it. Yeah. Uh, all right, drinks are on Rob. That sounds that's right. Awesome. Hey man, you know, <laughs> seriously, I, I save up for these. So yeah, you know what? Come come join me. I'd, I'd be happy to pick up the tab. Yeah, awesome. I would love to. All right, all right guys, uh, great show. Had a good time. I think Honky had a good time. I think he's had a good time uh, taking the last half hour off. He went uh, to bed already. <laughs> I would have too with how much he podcasts. No kidding, man. He's the hardest working man in podcasting. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys, for now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Heard at Sports Network production. Yeah, there we go. Good show.